You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Good morning, church. Turn to Psalms chapter 18. Hopefully you're enjoying the heat this morning, this week right there. It's great to be here and to worship God. I love when the guys sing like that and they use the instrument. It's awesome. So we look at Psalms, which is songs sang with an instrument right there, as we dig into our lesson today. In verse 20, David says this, The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanliness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I've kept the ways of the Lord, I've not done evil by turning from my God. He says, when you turn from God, you do evil. He says, all his laws are before me. I've not turned away from the decrees. I've been blameless before him. I've kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands, in his sight, not our sight, but his sight. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. I love that. He says, to the pure, you show yourself pure. So, 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 what you, what, what God, when your heart is pure, you see God. When it is not, you don't see God. There's a lot that we do that you got to see God in. Not man. Then he says the verse that I really love about this whole discourse in verse 27. You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. And the church said, this scripture teaches you can't be saved without humility. In fact, very simply stated, no humility, no salvation. No salvation. You know, there's a story of a, these, this cruise ship, this fighter cruise ship. And it's a very, very, very in, intense story because this fighter cruise ship is out on a dark, stormy night. Not something that we've really experienced a ton here in London. <laughs> uh, but, of course, we, we understand the rain comes. And this fighter ship is on the, uh, on the water. And a crew member goes down to the captain. And the crew member says, Captain, Captain, wake up. And so the captain wakes up. And you know how it is when someone wakes you up. Oh, yes. Right? Right, Mary Brothers? You little, little, little grumble right there. Michael can relate. Crew member says, sorry to wake you, sir, but we got some serious, serious news. We got a serious problem. Captain goes, what is it? He says, there's a ship in our sea lane 20 miles away, and they refuse to move. We've turned them over and over. Get out of the way. We're a warship. And they refuse to move. Captain says, what do you mean they refuse to move? Just tell them to move. He says, well, that's why we're here, sir, to get you. You're the captain. You're important. You, you, you tell them and maybe they'll move. Captain comes up before. Signal goes out. I am the captain. Move, your, move 20 degrees to the left. And so the captain receives a response. No, captain, you move 20 degrees to the right. And so the captain, you know, he, he, he does everything to keep himself from saying a, a very colorful word at that particular moment. He says, I can't believe this. I am the captain. I don't think he knows how important I am and, and that I, am, I, I lead the most incredible, powerful warship. Signal goes out again. Tell him, I, I am Horatio Hornblower the 10th, the captain. 
commanding you to move out of the way. The signal comes back. I am Seaman Carl Jones, commanding you to move out of the way. Captain goes, what arrogance? What presumption? What pride? A seaman commanding me, a captain. And so he says, if you don't move, you'll be destroyed. I am on a warship. The seaman re- responds and says, this is seaman Carl Jones. I'm manning the lighthouse. I think you need to move. That's a true test of humility. The true test of humility. That has been my week. <laughs> Every Captain, I'm the preacher. And God has just been discipling the trash out of me to be humble. To be humble. I don't know if you ever had one of those weeks. Well, every single test that's been put into your path is just a test of your humility. Even this morning, I arrived, got ready, fired up. And, of course, you know, Haverstock, they allow us to print some things on out. And I went back there, and the man says, who are you? I go, I'm the preacher. <laughs> Michael Williamson. And he goes, I don't know who you are. I said, well, I, j- I just want to print some things on out. Is that okay? I j- just... It's like, have a seat. Humble yourself in the Victor Como comes in with this huge smile. Victor, wow, how are you? Victor, do you know who this man is? Victor goes, yeah, that's the preacher. He goes, okay, so you can print something out. So I just sat there and I printed out my, my sermon. God has been working on my humility. He's been working on my humility. And and it's good for your humility to get worked on. Are you with me there? And I I tell you, humility will end wars. You know, I got a chance to spend about an hour and a half with Anthony Joshua. Of course, he won the gold medal for England, boxing champion right there. And been reaching out to him. I was praying he'd come today. He didn't make it. Please be praying for Anthony Joshua. He needs to, he needs to know the gospel, the true Jesus. And we spent an hour and he started to ask me questions about the war and all these things. I said, you know, I tell you what, this is, this is how you end wars. You end wars with just simply being humble. Being humble. And I started thinking about humility this week. And I started thinking about relationships. What is the one character trait that will unify any relationship? Humility. What is the one character trait that will ruin any relationship? Pride and a lack of humility. What is the one character trait that most represents Jesus? Humility. What is the enemy of pride? Humility. And then I did a cool search, and I found out the most common word spoken in the English language. Of course, the most common word spoken in the English language is the word I. Pretty convicting, huh? I. Which reminds me of another little test. What are the six ways to learn everything about the humility of a man before you marry him? How can we learn a man's humility? Number one. Watch him drive in heavy traffic. Now, for those of you don't drive, watch him walk in heavy traffic. He either becomes the bowling ball, knocking everyone over, 
or he gets knocked over. And then the test of humility comes over him. Number two, watch him play football. That is the test of a man's humility. You see whether he is fired up for Jesus or himself. Number three, listen to him talk to his mother when he doesn't know you're listening. That's a real test of humility right there. Another test, see how he treats those who serve or wait on him. Number five, this really tests the man's humility. Notice what he's willing to spend his money to buy. And what he is not willing to spend his money to buy. That tests humility. Number six, look at his behavior with his close friends. All these are areas where you can test a man's humility. And so the, the title of the lesson, uh, the lesson today is The Test of Humility. Psalms chapter 25 and verse 9. The Test of Humility. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. The psalmist says, no humility, you cannot be taught. No humility highlights that you don't want to be taught. You know, the cool thing about being a Christian is we get rid of the excuse that old dogs don't learn new tricks. I don't find that scripture in the Bible. Paul was 30 years as a disciple, and he said, I want to know Christ. Still teachable. Isaiah 29 and verse 9. Verse 19, I'm sorry. It says once more. The humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. And that's what Isaiah, that's his name for Jesus, for God. The Holy One of Israel. He had a personal relationship and he, and he saw God as the Holy One of Israel. Why? Because there was so much impurity in the land. So his God was a holy God. What name do you have for the Lord? And he says, the humble will rejoice in the Lord. No humility, no happiness. No happiness. Oftentimes, when God has got his hand on us, we can lose our joy. Whether his hand is on us in our marriage, our work, we can lose our joy. And yet, Isaiah says, the humble will rejoice. Question, are you rejoicing today? Have your circumstances superseded the Almighty God? Is God reigning in your life where you can go, wow, things are going on, but but I still need to rejoice in the Lord. Now, as I say that to you this week, for me, with everything going on, I caught myself not rejoicing in the Lord. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's just like struggling in the Lord right there. Grinding. You ever grinded in the Lord? Caught myself grinding in the Lord. That, that, that highlights I need more of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 66. In verse 2. It says, has not my hands made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. This is the one I esteem. He 
who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. But whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a man and whoever offers a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes grain offering like one who presents pig blood and whoever burns memorial incense like one who worships an idol. They have chosen their own ways and their souls delight in their abomination. Isaiah says the one that God is fired up about is the one who is humble and contrite in heart. Let's go New Testament. Matthew chapter 11. One that we always need a reminder of. You know, Peter says, you know, today when, when, when Peter and his God, when he, he writes one of his letters, he says, I'm not writing this. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not teaching you anything brand new. I just want to remind you. And so, you know, being a disciple, being a Christian, oftentimes, you just need, we just need to be reminded of things. Things that we know but aren't doing necessarily. And so Jesus says this through Matthew in chapter 11 and verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from who? For I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and it's your said. He says weariness is a sign of a lack of reliance on God. You just have not submitted and decided to be humble and turn to the Lord. Because when you turn to the Lord, he bears whatever burden that you're going through with you. And if he's not bearing it with you, there are lives where you can get weary and dare we say, you hit the wall. You hit the wall. You know, in a marathon, they have the certain mile where you just hit the wall, the monkey gets on your back and you can't run any further. You just shut down right there. I know a lot of you have run marathons, right? Ah, okay, a little test. Oh, there we go. Michelle Petit in the back. She's running a marathon right there. Brothers, okay. You should be feeling humble right there at that particular moment. I tried to pass off a marathon I ran, but it was only 21 miles. My wife rebuked me. She goes, a marathon is 26 miles right there. So she won't let me slide that one in right there. God is still teaching me humility. Weariness is a sign of not turning to the Lord. You know, I don't like Woody Allen for a lot of what he says, but he said a comment that I read this week that was pretty, pretty interesting. He says, if you want to make God laugh, tell him all your plans. <laughs> tell him all your plans. God is like, that's hilarious. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Peter, you hear what she said? She's going to marry that kind of brother. That's totally not. Oh, did you hear? Oh, did you hear? Look at this marriage down there. Look at this one. My God, this is what she's saying. That's hilarious. Convicting, isn't it? Turn to Philippians chapter 2. The test of humility. Verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Any encouragement there, church? If any comfort from his love, any comfort there? If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete. Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. 
each of you should not only look to your own interest, but to, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude. I mean, that's a good place to start. Yeah. How's your attitude? Yeah. He says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. This is written to the Christians. They were struggling in their attitude. Who being very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. It says God became a servant. Being made in human likeness, found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. That name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven on earth and under earth. And you know, that, that is a true statement. Every knee will bow before Jesus, whether they become a disciple or they do not. Every knee will have to bow and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's just hope we've got the humility to make sure we're right with the Lord when we have to bow and make that vow. That it isn't when things are too late. Verse 11. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, how much more so, how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to will, to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in the crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. And the church said, what's powerful about this, obviously he says, you've got to imitate the humility of Jesus. What I like here is he says that Jesus took the very nature of a servant. Have you ever served before? Many of us have, have we not? The thing that really is convicting about this verse that I've never seen is that he, t- he took the very nature of the servant. And so what, what's convicting is you read it, but then when you do it, you know, the word of God is living and active. So, so you can read it, but when you do it, it's different. So I, I, I thought, okay, let me practice here. Let me, let me work on my heart as a servant. So this week I had a, I saw a woman who was struggling with the pram. Uh, I, I, me and Michelle got this running joke because we see all the, the women who struggle with prams, getting on the trains and all this. And so I said, I'm going to write a movie called Pram Life right here. The good and the bad. The angry mom with her pram. The really humble mom was getting beat up. The mom with the really designer pram. It, it, it just, it's just a little thing we got going. So I saw a woman struggling with pram life, dare we say. And, and she's trying to get it up there. Nobody's made, paying any attention. She's a little bit older. And I go, here's my time to shine. And be a servant. I'm a Christian. All these people here will see my example and understand and follow the God I serve. So I, I go over to her and I help her. And it was quite a heavy prayer, but I pick it up and I get it in there. And then and the baby's kind of kicking, kind of hit me a little bit. And I kept smiling, get it in there. And, 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 and then I, I put the pram into the, to the, uh, you know, the area where they have the prams. And then the other lady, she didn't want to move. And I kind of, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, kind of get it in there right there. So your husband. No, no, it's not, I'm not the husband. I'm just helping. Uh, you know, just get in there. So yeah. I'm standing there and I'm waiting for my applause. And the lady goes, hmm, about time. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. You know what I learned? Humility is not serving. Humility is 
when you are treated like a servant, how do you respond? It's not just serving, because you can serve falsely humble. Because you want everybody to see how awesome you are in the church. Look what I'm doing. And really, it's false humility. And that kind of is hard to expose sometimes. You can do all the stuff, Christian stuff, but it really doesn't expose your heart. Are you with me here? But when you're treated like a servant, which you should be, because that's all we are. That it, it, like, I should have been like, well, yeah, amen. It is about time. It is about time that I served. That was the message from God. Yeah, it's about time. Now, I, I saw her, though, because my heart was impure. And that's what happens when the challenges and the issues happen in life. We see people, we get man-focused, not God-focused, when God is always teaching you. He taught you this morning something. Are you with me here? When you're treated like a servant, this exposes whether you're truly humble. It's one thing to serve others. But humility is allowing yourself to be treated like a servant. What are some of the tests of humility? First Kings chapter 22. Discipling tests your humility. Does it not? <laughs> Discipling one imperfect man or woman, getting into your life and pointing out areas that you need to grow using the Holy Bible. This is one area that really can get your heart. Discipling tests your humility. Of course, this is a guy named Micaiah who prophesies, he preaches against a guy named Ahab who is pretty wicked. We won't read the entire story. But dare we say Ahab is needing some discipling. And, you know, Ahab sends a message out and all these people say things to him. And, and there's still one individual that, that, that really has the truth. You know, you can go talking to a lot of people about what to do, but, but we know in our hearts that, that really the word of God is the truth. And the man who's living the word of God, that, that, that's the individual that's going to tell you the truth. This was Micaiah, and it says this here in verse 6. So, so the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, Shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into your hand, the king's hands. So they, they people please him. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? The king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, There's still one man. Through whom we can inquire of the Lord. But I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. Terrible heart, right? He didn't want to hear the truth. Discipling totally tests your humility. When one person gets into your life and points out the things that may be blocking you, hurting you, or if just somebody wants to have an opinion about you. But as Christians, we, we've got to have the heart that we can learn not only from Christians, but we can learn from everybody. And sometimes the test isn't whether you agree with what they're saying. It's just whether you will be humble. You know, this week I got a letter, about a two-page letter, scathing rebuke <laughs> from, a, from a, a brother in our former fellowship. I, I, I have no idea who he is. I don't know him at, at all. Two and a half pages. I've been following you and your sermons and this and that. And you gave a sermon about the remnant. And he's, you said the remnant scattered. You said the remnant's this. You said that. You said this. That's not how we are. You said we're lonely. You said this. You said that. And he just, oh, you're listening. Hmm. 
And he just goes to town. He goes, I can tell in your tone you're passionate and you really want to, but you are wrong about this and this and this. this. And I know you're, you're probably mad and you're not going to respond to me. I just responded, I said, because I, God has been working on me all week right there. Uh, so I just responded, I said, brother, thank you for your, your comments. Um, appreciate you sharing your heart. Maybe we could talk a little bit later. Warm regards, Michael. Sin. It's, it's been quiet for a few days. <laughs> and I pray that we can talk. But we all need discipling. Doesn't matter what position you're in. I saw that test. This is a great opportunity for me to be humble. This is a great opportunity. How do you do with discipling? How do you do? Hopefully you don't have this view. I don't like my disciple. He never prophesies anything good, only bad. I want a new discipleship partner. I don't like my husband. He only prophesies bad. Surely not. I don't like my parents. They only prophesy bad. Discipling tests your humility. It really tests whether you will focus on God or focus on the individual. As, as Christian people, you will be tested this week. Yeah. Not only will it be people in your life that disciple you, that are Christians, but people that are not Christians, that you don't know. And it's a great opportunity for you to be humble. Are you with me here? Prosperity. Test your humility. Deuteronomy chapter 8. You guys still with me here? Deuteronomy, second law. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may live and be increased and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. You know, it's very cool. The number 40 is so used. It's, it's the number of testing, you know, the 40 years in the desert, 40 days. Jesus te- 40 days. He was fasting right there. Number 40 is always about that testing right there. And um, that's about the age I am right there. <laughs> the, the, the number of testing right there. Amen. It says he humbled you to test you in order to know what was in your heart. And then it says. Verse 6, observe the commands of the Lord, walking in his ways, revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you to a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs, flowing valleys, hills, wheat, barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranate, olive oil, honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, you, you won't lack anything, a land where the rocks are iron and, and you can dig copper out of the hills. This is a pretty, pretty awesome blessing that God is putting on his people. But then he says this. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. You know what's kind of funny? We actually praise the Lord and then we eat because we want to forget about God right away. You ever notice that? Okay, let's pray for the food and we eat. (laughs) But this Christian said, no, you need to eat and then you need to praise the Lord. Pretty convicting, huh? He says, be careful you do not forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, his degrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, you will build fine houses, settle down, 
And when your herds and flocks grow large, your silver and gold increase, all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become what? And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through that vast and that dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a rock and gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had not known, to humble you, to test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers, as it is today And the church said. I call this the danger of success. Thinking you actually did it. The danger of success. Some of the things that really can hurt our relationship with God is success. You think God gave you the ability to be that incredible student. You think God gave you the ability to make money. You think, or you think you gave yourself the ability, not, not realizing that God gave you the ability. You think you gave yourself the ability to be that incredible student, not realizing that God has given you that ability. That was a radical teaching to me. I thought there's a God and then there's, there's me. I am who I am because of me. I didn't realize, no, no, everything I am is because of God. My mind, my everything. God gave it to us and God can take it away. He took Nebuchadnezzar's mind because he wouldn't be humble. Like God can take your mind because of a lack of humility. You, you, can, you can have your own ability to think taken away by God because you won't be humble. And acknowledge he's given it to you. We've got some great examples in the church that, that have really been blessed. And guess who they praise? God. You know, I, was, I was so proud of our brother Charles right there. He did the prayer today, did he not? Where's Charles? Serving. Case in point. Something that some of us in this room have said, I don't, I'm too awesome to serve the kids' class. When you're asked to serve, you're so important, you've got to be in the, in the meeting. You're so awesome. And then you complain, it's warm, it's too hot. We're just a family. If you're visiting, we just, we just lay it out. Charles is fired up to be in the kids' class. He got his suit on. He got a haircut. He's like, I'm, I'm going for this. You know, Charles was the only one in his class that got a chance to speak before his class. He graduated with top honors this week. And he was the only student that got a chance to talk to the entire, I mean, I don't know how many people were there. I got, I got luckily, I got kind of ushered into the main auditorium, but they had different rooms for people that couldn't get on in. But I, I got lucky and got on in. His brother gave me a ticket. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, and Charles got up there. You know how Charles is. We could not do this. <laughs> if it wasn't for you teachers who teach us. Thank you. Thank you for helping us be. And he graduated top honors. God has given him success. He's still humble. Victor Como called me this week. And Victor's fired up about more than just Krista Cameron right there, his girlfriend. And Victor called me and says, bro, you would not believe it. I've been blessed with a new job. I'm going to be working for the Queen of England. You can talk to him about the details. 
is going to make a lot more money holding some big accounts. People who have been blessed and have praised God. Amen. God can give you wealth and he can take it away. God can raise you up and God can take you out. Prosperity tests your humility. Prosperity tested. You know what else tests your humility? Recognition. Acts chapter 5. Recognition. Hang in there. I got about about 12 more minutes to go here. Acts chapter 5. Recognition really tests your humility. You know, we know the story. We know the book of Acts. But, but man, when those scriptures come into your life at a particular time, that's the test. It's not about knowing, oh, I know that one. But what about doing it? You know, this one here, this is Barnabas, son of encouragement. He sells a house for the kingdom of God. It's not radical. It's just what you do to build the kingdom. You give up everything. You sell your home for the glory of God. You do what Denise, now Kokoye did for the London International. You give up your home because you love God. That's what that woman did for the kingdom of God because she loves the Lord. And that's my sister. I love Denise. Ola, you married. You married. You you did well right there, bro. You hear that Ola laugh too, you. But then you you find Ananias and Sapphira, probably awesome disciples, but they had a lust for recognition. A man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira. You know, Ananias means God's grace. At the end of the story, he gets God's wrath. Sapphira means beautiful. But man, her sin was ugly. Also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge. He kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the classic case of a married couple hiding their sin. they're, They're just, they don't have people outside of their lives that really are in there. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? not lied to the Holy Spirit, kept for yourself some of the money you, you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? After it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Great fear sees all who heard what happened. Then the young man came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. Of course, we know the story. The wife dies as well. Verse 10, it says, at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And the church said, this is the beginning of the movement. God says, I cannot let it be about how you, your recognition. I got to take you out. If that is your heart, I got to take you out. I got to I got take you out. And here, this is a very severe thing. So God takes it very serious. Pride does come before the fall. How do you do with recognition? But what will tell you how you do with it is how you do without it. How do you do without recognition? God called them to be humble, not to be hypocrites. Peter had a discerning heart. Peter gets in there. He, things get dealt with. That warning of recognition was not of God, it was of Satan. 
Satan's trying to destroy the church from the inside, not from the out. Which is always what recognition and a lust for it will do. It will destroy you and the church. This, this scripture just always reminds me of myself, honestly. Um, it reminds me of being in Portland. Warning recognition. <laughs> just, I remember Matt Sullivan came. He, he was just the shining beacon of humility in the church. Been around forever. Do anything, go anywhere, be humble, teach me what, what I need to do, what I need to work on. And Matt will tell you, I'm not humble. I just know it's my weakness, so I just stay down. And God blesses. But then you got me going, hey, why is Kip always mentioning Matt Sullivan in the sermon? What about me? Is this racial? That impurity comes out of the heart right there. I just want a recognition. Recognition, test your humility. God took this couple out because they had bad hearts. Now, you can always repent. You can always repent. But one of the things I, I really want to protect us from is, is wanting recognition. Wow. Wanting recognition. Awesome. You're a mother. You're awesome. Does it make you super special? I don't get any recognition. What about what God sees? Are you serving because you're serving the Lord or are you serving because you want recognition from your husband? Let me tell you something. As a husband, I can't believe my wife doesn't understand. You understand what I have to deal with? The emotional pressure. I want you to recognize. You might as well just stop. Wives, just stop. And husbands, just stop. Leaders, stop wanting the people to recognize. Put it out of your mind. Just, I, I, God sees what I'm doing. Let, let's just drive out that lust for recognition. Yeah. It's not good. It can take you out spiritually. It destroyed, I believe, our former fellowship, and it can creep into our, our new one. We've got to make sure we do everything for the glory of God. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, let's bring it home. A lack of prosperity, suffering, will test your humility. Write down Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1 through 11. Also write down Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 through 14. Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. Of course, that tested his humility. He learned obedience from what he suffered. He didn't learn bitterness from what he suffered. He learned obedience. 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to hit these last two points and we'll close out. Marriage test your humility. It says in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, in verse 1, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over by your heavy words, by all your speech, by your eloquent way of talking to him and nagging, and all those types of things that really win men over and stop them from going into their cave and depressing on out and watching Sports Center or TV shows or looking at the scores of FIFA and all. Sorry. This came out of my heart right there. Let me read the scriptures. If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words. By the behavior of their wives. Man, a wife's behavior can, can be more powerful than words. When they see the purity and the reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, but such as braided hair, and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Which is of great worth in God's sight. Yeah. Maybe not man's, but God's. Yeah. 
For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who bade Abraham and called him her master. You are daughters, if you do what is right and do not give what what? Fear is a lack of humility. Because you don't believe God is going to protect you. Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the equal partner, just as strong as you. They can handle everything you handle. They can deal with it. I mean, come on, honey. Annie up. Kick in. What's wrong with you? Come on. Let's go. You need to be sold out. No, it says, as heirs with you, the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. That is a scary scripture for me. Because I'm religious. And when I, we, me and Michelle have challenges, I thought, I'm just going to go out and pray about it. God's like, I, I don't even want to hear from you. <laughs> Get back in there and humble out. Then I will. I don't even want to hear from you. Just get back in there. Just get get out of get out of here. You ever done that? You ever prayed and you're like, it just, boom, just comes right back down to you, or you feel just this numbness or this lack of flavor. You ever had a meal that has no flavor in it? You just go, this is bland right there. Something's wrong. We had a new Christian orientation right there. We had a, one of the meals that was made right there that I, I gave the advice to make right there. It just was blanched. Mm, that's how prayer can be sometimes. You know, just, mm, this, what's the flavor? Something's wrong here. It's called sin. And as a husband, you, you can't be all super religious. God won't even want to hear from you if you're not treating your wife as the weaker partner. You've got to take more of the brunt of the hard tasks in the marriage. Marriage tests your humility. I make the double point. Wives, are you being humble in your marriage? You know what a good test is? Ask your husband. Those of you that don't want to know will leave today and you won't ask your husband. Because you want to keep your pride. And you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. Those of you that really do want to know, then you ask your husband. Because your husband loves you. That's why he married you. Amen? Amen. Husbands, husbands, ask your, your wife where you need to work on your humility. Amen. Okay? Trust me, I, I, every Monday we have our D time. And I brace myself, I put on the seat, okay, honey, what, what, is, what is it? And she, you know, she, she tells me this. You need to get back to people on the emails. You need this. You need to be sensitive. You need that. And I go, okay. And I see God God just trying to help me to be a better Christian man. Amen. My marriage really keeps me humble because my wife, we, we're different. And she teaches me things because she has a different perspective. She shares things that are good for me. And I share things that are very good for her. <laughs> very. Those of you that are single, you want to get married. But if you can't do well in dating... You're going to be a terrible husband. You're going to be a, the worst wife. You're going to fight everything. If you can't just love God and go on incredible dates. I'm fired up about this little surge that's coming to the singles. There's been a surge of humility that's come on in. I want to build you up right there. Amen. There's been a surge right there. There's been, there's been some humility right there. Last week, I had a few disciples that were single come and say, what do I need to do? One disciple says, oh, I'm going to fast and pray and let God show me who it could be. I'm going to go on dates with all the brothers, not the ones that are awesome, not the ones that are uh, these ones here that, uh, that I like. And it can, I'm going to go on dates with everyone. 
Because there's no favoritism in the kingdom of God. I'm a Christian. That's how that sister feels. Hopefully that's how we all feel that are single. Are you with me here? But, 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 but there's got to be a humility there. Part of the reason God wants for those of you that are single to go on dates with every single individual is to test your humility. To test your humility, to get you to build some great friendships. These are going to be Christians, brothers, sisters, that you're going to call on someday and you're going to need once you do get married. You're going to need them right there. And marriage is a great thing. It, it, it really, for those of us that are married, it really tests our humility. I believe that God has blessed us, but it, it's been because I believe there, there have been areas where we've, we've decided to be humble. Decided to be humble. And I want to put on your heart, if, if, just, let, let us stay humble as a people. Let us stay humble as a people. Those of you visiting for the first time, I want to challenge you to study the Bible. There's only three responses to studying the Bible. You will repent, you will run, or you'll become a persecutor. The last two are pride. They're not humility. Let God show you what it means to be saved. Then get saved. Get the grace of God. Let the test be passed with you deciding humility always wins. To God be all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.